Chapter 4 Wait for me, Isabel. Keziah, wait for me. There was poor little Lottie left behind again, because she found it so fearfully hard to get over the stile by herself. When she stood on the first step, her knees began to wobble. She grasped the post. Then you had to put one leg over, but which leg? She never could decide. And when she did finally put one leg over, with a sort of a stamp of despair, then the feeling was awful. She was half in the paddock still and half in the tussock grass. She clutched the post desperately and lifted up her voice. Wait for me. No, don't you wait for her, Keziah, said Isabel. She's such a little silly. She's always making a fuss. Come on. And she tugged Keziah's jersey. You can use my bucket if you come with me, she said kindly. It's bigger than yours. But Keziah couldn't leave Lottie all by herself. She ran back to her. By this time, Lottie was very red in the face and breathing heavily. Here, put your other foot over, said Keziah. Where? Lottie looked down at Keziah as if from a mountain height. Here, where my hand is, Keziah patted the place. Oh, there, do you mean? Lottie gave a deep sigh and put the second foot over. Now sort of turn round and sit down and slide, said Keziah. But there's nothing to sit down on, Keziah, said Lottie. She managed it at last, and once it was over, she shook herself and began to beam. I'm getting better at climbing over stiles, aren't I, Keziah? Lottie's was a very hopeful nature. The pink and the blue sunbonnet followed Isabel's bright red sunbonnet up that sliding, slipping hill. At the top, they paused to decide where to go and to have a good stare at who was there already. Seen from behind, standing against the skyline, gesticulating largely with their spades, they looked like minute, puzzled explorers. The whole family of Samuel Joseph was there already with their lady help, who sat on a camp stool and kept order with a whistle that she wore tied round her neck and a small cane with which she directed operations. The Samuel Josephs never played by themselves or managed their own game. If they did, it ended in the boys pouring water down the girls' necks, or the girls trying to put little black crabs into the boys' pockets. So Mrs. Samuel Josephs and the poor lady help drew up what she called a program every morning to keep them abused and out of mischief. It was all competitions, all races, all round games. Everything began with a piercing blast of the lady help's whistle and ended with another. There were even prizes, large rather dirty parcels which the lady help with her sour little smile drew out of a bulging string kit the samuel josephs fought fearfully for the prizes and cheated and pinched one another's arms they were all expert pinchers the only time the bernell children ever played with them keziah had got a prize and when she undid three bits of paper she found a very small rusty button hook she couldn't understand why they made such a fuss. But they never played with the Samuel Josephs, now or even went to their parties. The Samuel Josephs were always giving children's parties at the bay, and there was always the same food. A big wash-hand basin of very brown fruit salad, buns cut into four, and a wash-hand jug full of something the lady help called lemon deer and you went away in the evening with half the frill torn off your frock, 
or something spilled all down the front of your open-work pinafore, leaving the Samuel Josephs leaping like savages on their lawn. No, they were too awful. On the other side of the beach, close down to the water, two little boys, their knickers rolled up, twinkled like spiders. One was digging, the other patted in and out of the water, filling a small bucket. They were the trout boys, Pip and Rags. But Pip was so busy digging and Rags was so busy helping that they didn't see their little cousins until they were quite close. Look, said Pip, look what I've discovered. And he showed them an old wet squash looking boot. The three girls stared. Whatever are you going to do with it? asked Keziah. Keep it, of course. Pip was very scornful. It's a fine sea. Yes, Keziah saw that. All the same, there's a lot of things buried in the sand, explained Pip. They get chucked up from the wrecks. Treasure. Why, you might find. But why does Rags have to keep on pouring water in? asked Lottie. Oh, that's to moisten it, said Pip, to make the work a bit easier. Keep it up, Rags. And a good little Rags ran up and down, pouring in the water that turned brown like cocoa. Here, shall I show you what I found yesterday? said Pip mysteriously, and he stuck his spade into the sand. Promise not to tell. They promised. Say cross my heart, straight dinkum. The little girl said it. Pip took something out of his pocket, rubbed it a long time on the front of his jersey, then breathed on it and rubbed it again. Now turn round, he ordered. They turned round. All look the same way. Keep still now. And his hand opened. He held up to the light something that flashed, that winked, that was a most lovely green. It's an emerald, said Pip solemnly. Is it really, Pip? Even Isabel was impressed. The lovely green thing seemed to dance in Pip's fingers. Aunt Beryl had an emerald ring, but it was a very small one. This one was as big as a star and far more beautiful. End of chapter 4